0: Hey everybody and welcome to season 2. Yay. <laughs> so I did a poll uh, a poll guys, a poll on Twitter to decide if you guys wanted to hear about a paranormal case or if you guys wanted to do a true crime case. And you guys 50-50 split me, so I'm choosing the paranormal. <laughs> um Paranormal for me is a lot more fun to talk about, so we just going to go ahead and get into it. Um, again, definitely like I said, keep up on the Twitter. Um, we will be posting things on there. There's also a link that is actually pinned to my Twitter that you can go in and leave me voice messages, which I would really appreciate. You can tell me hello. <laughs> you can give me ideas. Um, you can. Th- you can. Tell me what you think about the podcast, whatever you want. Um, you can even comment on what you think happened in the episode or anything like that. So, And I will feature them right on here. Alright, so let's go ahead and get to our sponsored segment and then you will hear the lovely theme song. <laughs> Alright, see you soon guys. So, today's episode is all going to be about Brown Lady of Rainman Hall. Rainham Hall, sorry. That's hard to say. Um, Now, she is actually a ghost that reportedly haunts the Rainham Hall in Norfolk, England. And it became actually one of the more famous hauntings in Great Britain when photographers from Country Life magazine (laughs) um, claimed that they actually captured the image of the Brown Lady and it is so known as that because she is wearing a brown dress. So, <laughs> that's why. Um, very, very um, fancy. Awesome. <laughs> um, I will be posting a picture of her on the Twitter and the picture that they actually captured um, in Country Life magazine. So, you actually see that. And, so, I, the identity of the ghost is kind of, people don't necessarily know if this is her or not, but they have a pretty good idea that it is her. So, um, according to legend, the Brown Lady of Rainham Hall is actually the ghost of Lady Dorothy Walpole, who was alive from 1686 until seventeen. 17- so she was still a little young I mean not horribly young but let me see she was 40 so math (laughs) I'm great at it can't you tell I'd use a calculator anyway (laughs) she's actually the sister of Robert Walpole 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 I can't really say that name so sorry Um, generally regarded as the first prime minister of Great Britain, so she was pretty fancy and pretty historically well known. <laughs> um, she was actually the second wife of Charles Townshend, who was very notorious to have like a very very uh, violent temper, and. What they believe happened is that the story says that Townshend discovered that his wife actually committed adultery and that she committed adultery with Lord Wharton. And now, Lord Wharton has... He was kind of a playboy back then, (laughs) to put it honestly. so um, He was, of course, very upset with the situation, naturally. And he punished her by locking her in one of her rooms. Yes, I said one of her rooms. She had multiple. <laughs> um, that actually was located in Brightonham Hall. So. And according to Mary Wortley Montagu, um, who is actually. Let me look that back up again. I forgot what she was. She was one of the writers, poets, aristocrats, she was very well known um, with that family and based on what she said Dorothy was basically entrapped by the Countess of Wharton. So everyone kind of knew him as that which is kind of crazy. Um, She actually invited Dorothy over To stay over for a few days, knowing that her husband would never allow her to leave. And not even able to see her children, nothing like that. So, she managed to stay at Wharton Hall until 1726 when she died of smallpox. Yeah. (laughs) So, Mary... she was not a nice lady. (laughs) Um, well, okay, well, I don't know if it was her or not, but the Countess of Wharton was not a very nice lady. (laughs) So, that's kind of what, in general, happened to her. Um, but there's been multiple, multiple sightings there. So, to kind of give you an idea, one of the very first recorded claims was by a person named Lucius Seastone, and she was um, actually going to have a gathering over at Rayham Hall in the Christmas of night i am sorry, 1835—and Laurel, <laughs> Laurel, wow, Lord Charles Townshend actually invited. Lots of guests over to his hall. Um, they actually included people like the Colonel Loftus, all kinds of stuff. And to actually join in on the Christmas festivities. Like they were planning on doing parties, they had food planned out. I mean, this entire thing was completely planned. And um, Loftus, which is the Colonel, and another gay, uh, another guest, sorry, named Hawkins said that they had seen the brown lady. And that she actually approached one of the bedrooms and they were, they noted that she was in fact wearing one of the dated brown dresses that they had back then. Um, they actually just kind of pushed it off and said that the, they were crazy, you know. Um, So, later that evening, Colonel Loptus claimed to have actually seen the brown lady again and reported that on this occasion, he was actually drawn to the specter's empty eye sockets and the dark glowing face and just weird stuff. (laughs) Um, Because of that, Colonel Loptus' sighting actually led a lot of the staff to permanently leave the hall because they were too afraid to work there. Totally understandable, my dude. (laughs) Um, So, the next one, um, one of the next reported sightings of the brown lady was made in 1836 by a Captain Frederick Marriott and he was actually a friend Of the novelist Charles Dickens fun fact and the author of a series of popular sea novels so he was actually he made tons of books just about seas and like what happened on the sea and stuff like that pretty cool Um, it said that Marriott requested that he spend the night in the haunted room of the hall to prove that his theory that the haunting was caused by local smugglers. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, writing in 1891, Florence Marriott said her father's experience. And this is exactly what the letter says. So, I'll kind of read this to you. He took possession of the room in which the portrait of the apparition hung, and in which she had been often seen, and slept each night with a loaded revolver under his pillow. For two days, however, he saw nothing, and the third was to be the limit of his stay. On the third night, however, two young men, nephews of the baronet, knocked at his door as he was undressing to go to bed, and asked him to step over to their room which was at the end of the corridor, and give them his opinion on a new gun that just arrived from London. My father was in his shirt and trousers, but as the hour was late and everybody had retired to rest, except for themselves, he prepared to accompany them as he was, and they were leaving the room. He caught up his revolver. In case you meet the brown lady, he said laughing, When the inspection of the gun was over, the young men, in the same spirit, declared they would accompany my father back again, in case you meet the brown lady, they repeated, laughing also. The three gentlemen, therefore, returned in company. The corridor was long and dark, for the lights have just been extinguished, but as they reached the middle of it, they saw a glimmer of a lamp coming towards them from the other end. "'One of the ladies going to visit the nurseries,' "'whispered the young town sent to my father. "'Now the bedroom doors in that corridor faced each other, "'and each room had a double door with a space between, "'as is the case in many old-fashioned houses. "'My father, as I have said, was in a shirt and trousers only, "'and his native modesty made him feel uncomfortable, "'so he slipped within one of the outer doors,' His friends followed his example in order to conceal himself until the lady should have passed by. I have figured him describe how he watched her approach nearer and nearer through the chink of the door until as she was close enough for him to distinguish the colors and style of her costume. He recognized the figure as the facsimile of the portrait of the brown lady. He had the finger on his trigger of the revolver, and was about to demand it to stop and give him reason for its presence there. When the figure halted of its own accord before the door behind which he stood, and holding a lighted lamp she carried to her features, grinned in a malicious, diabolical manner at him. This act so infuriated my father, who was anything but lamb-like in disposition that he sprang into the corridor with a bound and discharged the revolver right in her face. The figure instantly disappeared, the figure at which for several minutes three men had been looking together, and the bullet passed straight through the outer door of the room on the opposite side of the corridor and lodged in the panel of the inner one. My father never attempted again to interfere with the brown lady of Rainham. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. (laughs) Um, Lady Townshend actually reported that the brown lady was next seen in 1926 when her son and friend claimed to have seen the ghost on the staircase. And they did identify the ghostly figure with a portrait of Lady Dorothy, which had been hung in the haunted room. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) Um, Now, of course, there is lots of things that kind of happen because of this. So, as you know, like I said, Country Life magazine. Actually, um, on September 19th of 36, um, Captain Hubert C. Provind, who is a London-based photographer working for the Country Life magazine, And his assistant, I'm going to try to say this name, but I mess it up every single time, Um, Indra Indra Shira, Indra Shira, maybe? I think that's right. Anyway, they are taking photos because of the article. And they, basically, the agencies they worked for wanted them to write this big article about Raymond Hall so they did <laughs> and they claimed that they had already taken a photo of the hall's main staircase and were setting up to take a second when she saw a vapory form gradually assuming the appearance of a woman just poof, show up yeah <laughs> and she started walking down the hallway to them down the stairway, and under Shira's direction, Provin quickly took the cap off the lens, and Shira pressed the trigger to actually activate the camera's flash. So later on the negative was actually developed, and the famous image of the brown lady was revealed. Which, like I said, I am going to post a picture of it, don't worry. <laughs> um, And that experience was actually what was published in Country Life magazine on December 26, 1936. Um, Along with the actual photo of the brown lady. And that's where stuff kind of gets a little interesting, I'll put it that way. Um, It was then later published again and appeared in an edition of Life magazine in January 4th of 1937. So, um, uh, just like I said, this is where it gets a little funny. This is where the skeptic situation kicks in. Um, there's lots of people who were very skeptical of this, naturally, you know, and to kind of give you an idea about that, um. There was actually a paranormal investigator by the name of Harry Price, and he actually went and interviewed poor Van and Shira, and reported that he will say at first at once I was impressed. I was told a perfectly simple story. Mr Shira saw the apparition descending the stairs at the precise moment when Captain Proven's hand head, sorry, was under the black cloth. A shout, and the cap was off. The flash, the flash bulb fired. With the results which we now see, I could not shake their story, and I had no right to disbelieve them. Only conclusion between the two men would account for the ghost, if it is fake. The negative is entirely innocent of any faking. So, he believes that it was um something that was true, that did happen. Um, but there's multiple things that say that if it's not, also, so, for example, um, lots of people say that they actually put grease or some type of substance on the lens to kind of make it shape that figure, you know. Um, they also believe that one of the men may have threw on a costume and walked down the stairs during an exposure shot, which would have made that if that type of photo. Um multiple people say that it may have been accidental accidental double exposure or that some type of light has gotten inside of those cameras. So yeah. Um Joe Nickel actually wrote a detailed examination of the photograph that shows evidence of the double exposure. So it's definitely interesting if you want to look at that. Um There's also another guy named John Fairley and Simon Welfare, and they wrote that there is a pale line above each stair tread indicating that one picture has been superimposed over the other. A patch of reflected light at the bottom and at the top right-hand banister appears twice. So, I don't know. Some people say it's fake, other people say it's real, um... Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was kind of interesting. Simple story to kind of, you know, start off the season though. <laughs> um, yeah. I will post a picture of her, and you can see what you think about it. And then let me know in the voice messages um, what you think of her, and then we can kind of go over that together. Um, yeah. Leave me a thing. in the thing. oh goodness gracious so on that note i hope you guys have a wonderful day and i will see you soon on the next episode all right bye guys